This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez, at the track right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. It is A's Cast Live. Great to be here with you as we get you ready for the day in Major League Baseball. We got a great, and I mean great, guest list today. Bill Moriarty is going to join us. And you never put his affiliation up here, Commander. I can't remember. It's Editor-in-Chief of Athletics Farm. Editor-in-Chief of Athletics Farm is going to be here. The Pitching Ninja, Rob Friedman, will be here at 2 o'clock. Moriarty will be here at 1.30. And then Mike Petriello from MLB.com. And, of course, you see Mike on MLB Network. As we've got a lot to get into, we'll cover all of baseball with him. Because why? Because baseball is hot right now on the coast. And it's good for baseball. Let's face it. No offense to all of our friends in what they like to call the flyover states. And I've had some great times in flyover states. Let me tell you something. I still think Kansas City is one of the most underrated towns in the United States of America. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed multiple trips. Denver, eh. Minnesota's great. Um, Detroit. We never stay in Detroit, though. That's the thing. Like, where the A's are right now, they stay in the Townsend Hotel. Look it up. In Birmingham, Michigan. Beautiful. It reminds me of Walnut Creek. Where the A's stay, and it's where all the NBA teams stay. It's where the baseball teams stay. Uh, It's at the Townsend Hotel, and it's a Townsend Street. No relation. I looked it up. No relation whatsoever. Beautiful hotel. But it's in Birmingham, and I would say for Bay Area people, if there was any town in the Bay Area, what it reminds me of where the A's are right now, it definitely is Walnut Creek. By the way, you know what else is in Walnut Creek? The chicken pie shop. Chicken pie shop in Walnut Creek. It's just like it's being in Birmingham, Michigan. So uh, he will join us at 2.30. So we got Moriarty at 1.30, Pitching Ninja at 2. Ninja's got some new merch out. And I will never forget last season, San Jose State. San Jose State game, it's the end of the game. People are starting to leave, and I'm walking down the stands, and a guy's got a pitching ninja hat on. I'll tell the story to him. And I was like, right on, pitching ninja. The guy looks at me and goes, how did you know? Oh, you have no idea how I know. I, I, I just don't know you're wearing pitching ninja merch. I actually know the pitching ninja, and we'll have him here at 2 o'clock because – uh, something struck me yesterday, and that was for you if you're watching on YouTube or you're watching on Twitter. Of course, you can stream athletics.com slash acecast, which you are right now if you're listening. Something that really, I knew it was going to be fascinating, and if you guys didn't get to hear it, are we going to be putting Ray, all of Ray Fossey's interviews on acecast? 
Uh, I mean, we can do it. I have a lot. The ones we played so far and the ones I want to play. We I should just have a – we should do a – I was thinking about this. Obviously, it was very early in the morning. If you guys didn't wake up or you had to go to work or you had to go to school, whatever you had rolling and you weren't able to listen, totally understand. It was breakfast with Townie on a uh, Tuesday. It was early. So we aired that game was what, 10 10? 10 10, yeah. So we would have aired that about 9 20-ish. No, the first segment is like only like 3 minutes. So it would have been before, around 9 20, a little bit before 9 20. And it's Ray and Sparky Anderson from the 80s. And the whole interview, like I could have really broke down all, taken, cut up all of Sparky's answers. That he did with Ray and cut them up and go, man, this tells you so much about the history of the game, good and bad. And you might be saying, what the hell are you talking about? Well, Sparky was complaining about the baseballs in the 80s. Now, I'm assuming that a lot of you listening right now probably weren't even alive in the 80s, or if you were, you were very young. Commander, what year were you born? 1988. So there's a good chance. You know what what year that was with Sparky? It was actually 1995. It was 95? Yeah. No, it wasn't even in the 80s. It was 95. Oh, it sounded like the 80s. Be- wow. Is be- it- because in the, in this the is worse than I thought. Because in the interview, you hear Sparky say, "Well, I know the A's are not playing well." That's right. Tony. He's, he's talking about Griffey, and he's talking about Tony Larusa and cool. how bad the team is in '95. Okay, but still, it's still troubling that what he was talking about. It actually is more <laughs> troubling because to- because not from the baseball. He was bitching about the baseball. Then it's mid '90s. He's bitching about the baseball. We all been complaining about the baseball. 2022. We're still complaining about the baseball. Yes, <laughs> but. This is what's really scary is how he was complaining about how teams are wearing multiple uniforms now because they want to sell the game. Like, it kind of shows you how archaic baseball people were. I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt that this was the 80s. This is mid-90s. You wonder why the NFL and the NBA flew right past Major League Baseball? Because you got these dinosaurs with the – they really had this belief that baseball was its own world. That it was about this game that's played for nine innings and that everything that happens in between these lines is sacred, should be cherished, and should be left alone for what its greatness is and everything around it. I don't have time to bother with it. It really tells you that here we are in 95, right? But You said it was 95? Yeah, 1995. That's my last year of baseball at San Jose State. That's how long ago this was. That this guy who's revered as a baseball genius and everything, their realm of the baseball clubhouse and the diamond were this sacred place and everything else is just outside noise. And in the meantime, the NFL is going, nope, number one thing is television. Merchandise is huge. Growing our game worldwide. Get our fans, our product as much as possible. And here is Sparky Anderson saying, I want none of that in 1995 because it's all about baseball and this sacred ground and land that we have and this game in between the lines. You wonder why baseball got passed by. You wonder why it looked archaic in an old man game. 
You wonder why. You wonder why it took Cal Ripken Jr. and steroids and a home run race to bring it back and to make it fun. Sparky didn't make it sound fun. Not at all. I couldn't believe, like, now that I think that that's even 95, that even scares even more. Like, I wasn't working in the game. I was in college. It just shows. But, you know, we still have remnants of that. We still have broadcasters from that era. I don't like interleague play. Like, what? Look at the back of the baseball card. What? You guys are like, I mean, it just, that, wow. So that's Sparky Andrew. I didn't even want to start the show with that. It just, it's it, like, I was, I don't know how many people were listening. It was early in the morning, but I was just shocked listening to him. And now I'm even more shocked. I thought it was the 80s. That was actually the 90s. I was worried because you text me. You said, can you send me the Sparky interview? And I was like, I listened to it. I'm like, did he say something that was wrong or I, I missed or he swore or something happened? And then, and then, no, I just we were just talking back and forth and I'll heat. And he, I, I don't want to hate on radio, but it, it just it, it like it like. Like, look what we're doing now. We're streaming. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. This is 95. Silicon Valley is starting to boom, right? Yeah. I got I got buddies who were leaving college at San Jose State to go work at startup who work at startups who at that time all of a sudden they were the startup millionaires like all oh, the stock I have a million some made it some made a lot of money somebody some guy's stocks end up not being worth a million but that was the start of what we know of Silicon Valley to do what we're doing now YouTube Twitter but then back then that's the Sparky Anderson newspaper I'm a newspaper man I'm a radio guy it's about our radio network, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they still probably didn't even like cable television at that point, <laughs> right? I mean, those was that in the 90s is when the new ballparks started coming in. It's where the cable, cable kind of took over the game, and cable was becoming king because people started signing these cable deals, and that's where the money started to really grow. Not in Sparky's eyes. He didn't care about the money. He was talking about, oh, these little guys. You got a bunch of little guys hitting 15 home runs. He said that multiple times. I know. He wasn't happy with guys. He wasn't happy with little guys hitting 15 home runs because that's not part of his sacred game. He even started talking about money, and the money he brought up was so small, you're like, the the people of that bait, which makes me think of what baseball would have been like in the 80s, the 70s, my God, even in the 60s. How these people viewed business, viewed the game, they viewed the game above anything else, right? To where we now know that's just dumb. No offense, dumb. Small-minded thinking was in our game for a long time, and it hurt it. It really did. Baseball could be. Remember, America's pastime. Football just went right past it. Football's America's pastime now. I mean, I can, I can show you a. Take me random SEC football game on a Saturday, not Al, not Alabama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Way better ratings than the World Series. Give me another one. Uh, who's the board? M- Missouri uh, and uh, Arkansas. By the way, I that should my grandmother was one of third. Uh, no, one of 11. My grandmother was the youngest of 11. And they all called and then they all migrated out west and they all called it Missouri. So, 
when I brought that up to people who are actually from Missouri, younger people are like, that's that's not called Missouri. I'm like, old people called it Missouri. I don't know. We maybe we can investigate that. I I, but they called it Missouri. They did. That's fact. My my wife's cousin played baseball at Missouri, and he said he never heard it called Missouri before. And he's from California. Then he moved know. to Texas. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah. So Arkansas and Missouri. Arkansas. LSU, Florida, Vanderbilt, Kentucky on, C- on CBS. Oh, that's, that's well, well, Kentucky's, maybe. to their defense, now Kentucky's actually not bad. Vandy still stinks at football. Now, Vandy baseball, for sure. but Vandy football's not walking through that no, door. No, no, no. Okay, Jake, I'll give you one. Jake Cutler ain't coming through those I'll doors. I'll give you one. Ole Miss, Ole Miss against Kentucky. Let, lane, the lane train. On a Saturday, CBS, because if you know, CBS has SEC Saturdays. In our country, nationwide television ratings, right? The national television, eyes on the tube. Old Miss, against who did I say? Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky will get higher ratings than the World Series. I'm not even bringing up NFL. I'm just going college football. So, the Sparky Andersons of the world, ah, genius, Hall of Famer, we love you. You guys blew it. <laughs> you guys, you and your idiot commissioner, Bud C. League, y'all blew it. Now, baseball, as I've said, still a viable business, makes a lot of money, but the way they make money now is becoming different. And it's not because of your players. It's not because of your cherished game. It's because you a lot of got you got a lot of games. You got a lot of content, and the apples of the world, the Amazons, the Googles. Google owns YouTube. We got YouTube games. You're a content provider. That's your big value now. Does who's the biggest player right now in Major League Baseball? Biggest player, uh, not tallest wise. That's a guy. No, they're just talking about or, an aura around. Who's the guy just pitched for the Giants? Is like six. Sam. Uh, his lesson starts with an H. How much? Six, six eleven. Six eleven. Yeah, I think he's the tallest pitcher to ever pitch. It was like him, John Roush, Randy Johnson. There's a bunch. Uh, of what's his name? Young, who's in the Chris Young. The you mean Chris the, Young? You mean, you mean Rangers GM Chris Young? You mean he was Princeton, right? Princeton, yeah. Princeton basketball legend Chris Young. See how they say this guy. He was name. what six ten. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find this guy. He was a there. power forward. He wasn't even a center. Uh, I don't know how to. Literally, f- Princeton, the most boring basketball ever played. Princeton. I don't even know what their nickname is. Uh, they are the. Are they the Tigers? I I just said I don't know what their. Yeah, nickname I think. Is. Uh, now you got me. Now you got me wondering what Princeton. Stay no, Princeton. The... Princeton Tigers. Yeah. Princeton Tigers. But yeah, I mean. How do you think Sparky Anderson would feel about who's the big who's the biggest guy oh, in the game right now? Uh, Shoei? I'd say Shoei or Trout. Okay. I guarantee you, as much as you want to talk about Trout, Shoei, you can talk about anybody. Any of the Yankees, any player. You over to China, they're all wearing basketball jerseys. Fact. They're all wearing Steph Kerr Steph Kerr and LeBron James jerseys. You go worldwide. I mean, baseball's made, but so I don't know why I got off. I, I wanted to actually – there's another thing I want to start this show with today. And because I am of the belief that play the damn game. Play, play – I don't care what the score is. I'm so tired of unwritten rules. 
I want people, when kids come to the ballpark, I want them to see baseball. I want them to enjoy it. I know when the game's over, they're getting back in the car, and they don't care, and they're going home, and they'll do whatever, play video games, or hopefully go out and play some wiffle ball. But while you're there, entertain. We're the entertainment business. And there was that Giants game early in the season. Padres are getting hammered by the Giants. I don't remember what the score is. It was a... was a 10-1 or 10-2, 11-2. Dude steals a base in the second inning. Dude bunts in the si- sixth inning. Not the ninth, sixth inning. Everybody's up in arms. Mauricio Dubon is who bunted. Up in arms. Everybody's, oh, my God, unwritten rules. What are you doing? And I remember on for my NBC hit, which, by the way, will be very interesting today. If you're going to be watching NBC Sports California, it's going to let you know. Um it was really a last-minute deal. So if my facts are not right on that, it was a thrown-together deal. <laughs> I would say, you're looking at me, but I, I was right here, so I heard the whole thing. <laughs> so if you wonder why we were a little bit late today, well, they had us in a 50-minute meeting today, and we still got to do our jobs. And we're coming off a doubleheader yesterday, for God's sakes. We got 15 games in 13 days. But anyway. By the way, the Giants pitch real quick, so like, just clear my mind. Sean... Jelly is the guy that was jelly. Jelly, yeah, it's, as in jellyfish. Yeah, it's spelled H J E L L E, but it's pronounced jelly. He is uh, six eleven, two twenty eight. Baseball Reference says so six eleven. So he is a tall pitcher. That's a law. That's a that that's he's basically a center. Yeah, that's a well. In the NBA, centers are six nine now. Draymond Green six eight, but he's yes, not he, a center, and it's not no. his fault. He didn't do anything wrong. Go Warriors! They played tonight. I think closeout game. Yeah, good. We'll see. No John whoa, Morant. Wha- whoa. No John Morant. Whoa. Well, he's, he's got the knee, right? Yeah, he's out for the rest whoa. of the postseason. Whoa, are you – Dub Nation in trouble? Are you saying Dub Nation is in trouble? No, I just, I'm not saying that. Maybe they're going back – is the game in Memphis? I think it's in Memphis. So, they might lose tonight, but they'll probably win. They'll probably win game six of Chase. I don't know. I haven't watched it. Dub Nation is alive and – where's my – where's my uh, – so, my old studio, I used to have all the stuff from all the teams I work. So, I got a bunch of Raiders stuff, Warriors stuff. Where's my Warriors foam finger? It says you're number one. Uh, Dub Nation, we support Dub Nation. I can't believe you go against Dub Nation. I just said they're probably they, they'll probably win in six. Oh, you know, you start with whoa. Game six. So, back to my point. I went on NBC California. I did my hit, and Brody and Dave Stewart destroyed me. Like I'm an idiot. That's Bush, you know, it's Bush League. You don't you don't bunt when you're up X amount of runs in the sixth inning. That's Bush League. Oh, that's Bush League. But last night in Anaheim, do we have it? Yeah. Let's roll the tape. Let's talk about Dave Stewart, A's Hall of Famer, retiring his jersey, came down my road by saying, you never saw Willie Mays do that because he watched Willie Mays. Well, did we ever see the great Willie Mays in a game do this? Why is that? Oh. But why is it? There we go. Look at him. Pity. Look at him doing this. Pity. Come on, Yeti. Oh, oh my goodness. Left handed Anthony Rendon. Oh, my goodness. Isn't this the greatest thing you've ever seen? Can't make it up. We gotta ask Gooby about this on Friday. We get him. If Gooby just said it's an oh my moment. 
left-handed goes yard. 12 to nothing. You oh, see the score. I don't believe it. Put the cowboy hat on. Put the cowboy hat on. Video courtesy of Bally Sports. That's where we got that feed. Down in Angel. Southern California. Yeah. Uh, so, Brett Phillips, Maverick, friend of the program, as you know here on A's Cast Live. Really a friend of the program. Guy, guy for two days came over and hung out with us. Yeah, he wouldn't go away. So, you have a position player pitching. You have Anthony Rendon going to the plate, batting left-handed for the first time in his career. I mean, all we need to do is pop up a tent, get some lions, bears, and tigers, and we got a circus. Get some clowns. That's a three-ring circus right there, right? Where's my integrity police? You're making a mockery of this game, according to the integrity police. The Giants st- bunt or s- Giants steal a base in the second inning, and I hate you know how I feel about the Giants. Whatever team we're talking about here. I'm just using them as the example. Well, they did it. <laughs> guy stealing a base only in the second inning, and you're saying it's Bush League. A guy's bunting because he's struggling. He, I mean, it's his stats. I'm bunting for a base hit in the sixth inning because I'm struggling, right? Yeah. Who is yes. it again? Uh, Mauricio Dubon. Dubon was struggling, if I believe, at the time to start Correct. the year. he was. He needs a base hit. It's the sixth inning. You're calling it Bush League, and then you're calling me out saying, oh, Willie Mays never played like that. Oh, did Willie Mays or Hank Aaron ever step up and hit left-handed against a pitcher? Where is my intent? We're celebrating this moment. I think it's cool. Brett Phillips, Maverick Phillips on Twitter, says you got lucky because he served it up to Mike Trout before that. Yeah, Trout crushed that ball. He gave it up to Trout and then put on Twitter. I mean, this is good for the fans. It's good for the kids. Where is my integrity police that went after me. I wanted to do it today on NBC, but there was a different producer. I want to come down everybody's road who said I was wrong. Because if you were wrong, if you were pissed about a guy stealing a bag in a second inning or bunting in the sixth, you should be really angry about this. Because this is making a complete mockery of the game. Uh, think about the sequence that this happened. It's in the bottom of the eighth inning. A position player on the mound pitching to a guy batting left-handed who is struggling to hit the ball right-handed for the Angels, mind you. And a game where the guy on the Angels has a no-hitter going in the eighth inning. Is, does that not even make it more? I t- thank you very much. I forgot about that. We got a no-no going on the other side. And you're throwing out a position player? Where is the integrity please today? Phillips ZRA is like 27 right now. And you know what they're going to do? You're a bunch of gutless cowards, and you're going to come out and say nothing because that was entertaining as hell, and that's what our sport needs. But You it, heard me. Let me say it again. You're a bunch of gutless cowards, and you won't come out and go after these guys because public opinion will destroy you. But – if the game's 8 nothing and a guy steals in the second inning, you're going to be all upset. Wouldn't you agree? Just agree. You don't always have to agree with me. You, Cody, obviously never agrees with me. But on this one, Cody, won't you agree that if you were upset about that Giants-Padre game at the beginning of the year, I can't even – it was so long ago, I don't even remember when it was. It was in April. I couldn't even tell you the date. I don't I know. Just, I know it was a night game, and it was right? At, and it was, at, uh, it was at Oracle Park. If Matt Williams was so angry that night, if Dave Stewart had to bring up Willie May, how should you feel about this game? 
You should be upset about it. This You made a mockery of the game. Right? Yeah. But I love. I mean, I loved it. I hey, what would you do? With, I told you my charger. Oh, uh, it's right I, behind you. I was on the phone with my wife's dad, who was a, an Angels fan. My wife is an Angels fan. I'm watching all this transpire at the same time while the Angels are going for a no-hitter, and there's a guy hitting left-handed for the first time in his career off a position left-handed. player. Left-handed. Off a position player who, now I know we know him, but he was pitching. Um, it, ju- it was just a wild, wild sequence. Well, I can. I just turned my light out, by the way, unfortunately. That still looks good. Um, I was off a double dip, a double header. See, this is what I like. This is what I like. We can when when you do a streaming show. What we're learning, you can be relaxed. Not everything. If you were doing this on, on like cable TV right now, they'd be flipping out. Probably, yeah. I don't know. I'm not. A, I never produced cable television, so I only produce sports talk and streaming radio now. Well, sports talk, no one would care. That's a whole different ball game. Ah, oh, there's. Oh, you're my creating light. news by doing that. That's my. There's my light. Uh, do we have Bill on the line? There he is. What's happening? Hey, how you doing? I am doing wonderful. It's good to see you. What do you think of the set? Uh, it looks like you've done a little redecorating this season. Uh, it looks a little spiffier, I think. Yeah, we, we we stepped our game up just for guests like you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I need to decorate. You know, I've got some old uh, Barry Zito jerseys and memorabilia. I've got some old uh, batting helmets from the 70s. Uh, I guess I should uh, get with the program. I bet you've got some really old classic stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, I remember going to... Uh, Helmet day at the Oakland Coliseum. Sometime Do you see my helmet up 70s. here? Yep. Hey, you know, I've got one where it's reversed. They've got the uh, the top is yellow and the bill is green, which is a very unusual uh, combo. You don't see those often. All right. I, you got to take us through this because, and it bugs me, it, now, ever since the ball club moved the AAA to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Every guy, Sky Bolt was the next great outfielder in the history of the game of baseball, right? Like, all, there's always going to be, there, there's going to be this, you know, number, Shea Langoliers is the new guy, and we had Fran Reardon on, and Fran said, hey, listen, let me tell you, the one thing that's so fascinating about him is the fact that he is super fast. Like, legitly, like, StatCast tells you he's super fast. What do we really, before we get into Shea and, and all the other aviators, what are we supposed to finally make of, now that we've seen it for years, make of Las Vegas and, and AAA? Yeah, well, you know, the, the PCL is definitely a hitter's league. You've got a lot of parks, not just in Vegas, but El Paso, Salt yeah. Lake, Reno, um, you know, definitely hitter's parks. So you have to factor that in. But that's why, you know, these sort of advanced stats where they're looking at exit velo and stuff like that becomes much more important because they can actually measure, you know, how hard is the ball actually coming off the bat as opposed to is it going over the fence in these, you know, tiny parks high at high elevation. So these things factor in and make a difference but with a guy like Shea Langoliers who you mentioned yeah he's hitting a lot of home runs in a hitter's park and a hitter's league but he's leading the entire PCL uh, in home runs so even if you know his he's aided by the parks in the league he's still hitting more than everyone else in the league you know so that that does count for something so what do you do with him I mean catcher but if he's got wheels, like Fran said, 
and it's showing up on StatCast, which is telling me this kid's a great athlete. I know I looked it up. He's played other positions. What do you do with somebody that's that fast and has all these tools? Do you really leave him at catcher? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think, look, obviously, if he can be a catcher, that's very valuable. And, you know, there was talk in the offseason of the A's potentially trading Sean Murphy, and it is the A's. We know everyone's not going to be around forever. But at this point, I think you'd agree the A's offense is not exactly uh, lighting things up. And if you got a oh, guy. Oh, no, 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 who- Bill. My numbers say different. <laughs> these numbers say, these numbers, I mean. <laughs> Off the charts, how much the A's are scoring and raking. Yeah, I think I think you're holding that page upside down. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, you've got a guy who's one of the best hitters in the Pacific Coast League. For my money, I'd say he's hot. He's on a roll. His rhythm is good. His timing's good. Why not bring him up? You can have Sean Murphy uh, and he both catch, both play some DH, both play some first base. You know, why not? Give it a shot when a guy's hot and he's locked in and you don't have much offensive production. You know, I I don't know what they're waiting for, but, um, you know, I mean, they they obviously haven't felt the desire to force it yet. But uh, at some point, if he keeps hitting like this, I think they're going to have to find a way to get him in there and, um, you know, help help the offensive production of this team one way or another. I mean, he, he's been the best hitter in the A's minor league system. And like I said, one of the best hitters in all of AAA so far this season. All right. You remember the movie Moneyball where they go meet with Scott Hatterberg and, and, and Billy Bean, uh, Brad Pitt says, oh, it's easy to play first base, right, Wash? And Wash goes, it's extremely hard. All right, it's easy. It's easy to play anywhere. Give a guy a glove. I mean, the one thing that is a reality is that all of these players, and I try and remind people this, that all of these players, they all grew up great athletes. They all grew up playing multiple positions. He's obviously a, a guy that can go out to the outfielder. If you could say, okay, we're not going to have you play catcher because I want your wheels to play every day. That's one thing that comes to the ballpark every day is speed. If his speed is as good as Fran Reardon's stat cast says it is, it's not the eye test, it's stat cast, where can we put him? Where can we say, hey, man, we're not beating you up behind the dish. We're putting you somewhere. Where's the best spot for him? It's kind of reminding me of Soderstrom, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think for a catcher, the most natural spot is always at first base. You know, I think that's the the easiest place to move a guy from behind the plate. And uh, no matter what Wash says, it's not that hard if you're a, a major league professional player and you've been catching, which is a very hard position to play. If you can do that, I, you know, you can figure out how to play a little bit of first base. But, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Soderstrom because he hasn't been catching in the last week or so. And a lot of people have been wondering, oh, are the A's abandoning him as a catcher? But actually, he's just had a, a thumb contusion. He's had a thumb issue. So he hasn't been able to catch. Um, so he's been playing a lot of first base uh, recently, but that kind of goes to show you what happens when the guy's catching. He can get banged up a little more easily, and if he's a good hitter, you know, maybe it's better off to move him from behind the plate where he's going to get more dinged up and put him in a spot where he can, you know, be a, be a little safer. Yeah, that's always an interesting, what do you do with good athletic catchers? And, you know, you always want to go, he's Craig Vigio, put him out of second base, and next thing he'll be a <laughs> Hall of Famer, but... Uh, <laughs> Definitely this, you know, when the time, I don't know when that time is. When are we talking to David Forrest, by the way? Maybe on Friday. We're going to ask him, like, hey, what? I mean, 
how much does this kid got a hit for you? There's a reason why you traded for him before you do something. Nick Allen, very interesting. I think will be a mainstay at shortstop, could be second base. You know, we talked to Jim Leland. Jim Leland, because we're talking about Christian Pache going, this guy's struggling. Like, what do you do? And Leland said, I sent plenty of guys down in my career knowing that they had to go down, get some positive vibes going, and then they come back up and the rest is history. And if you send a guy down and he never comes back, then he was never going to be that good anyway. I see right. Nick Allen being one of those players. What did you think about his time here, and what do you think about his future with the big club? Yeah, I mean, I think his his future is good. I mean, obviously, we know he can play shortstop defensively. There's no question about that. Um, it's just a matter of how much he can hit. And he has been, you know, he's bulked up a little bit. I don't know if you notice, he's a little bigger. He's been hitting the ball harder, which is a good sign. So, I, you know, I think he's going to get there offensively. Um, you know, it might take a little time, but I think the fact that he's hitting the ball harder, um, it's coming off the bat better is a good sign. You know, with little guys like him, him. Remember Billy Burns, um, you know, he had a little a little good time with the A's, but eventually, you know, he couldn't drive it into the gaps. He couldn't hit it off the wall even. So the outfielders started playing in on him and suddenly they're playing him so shallow that he can't even doink in those singles anymore. So if you're a little guy, you've got to be able to show that you can at least drive it into the gaps, get it near the wall anyway, so they don't cheat in on you and keep you from getting those singles that you need. And I think Nick Allen's been showing that he can hit the ball hard enough, he can get it into the gaps, get his doubles, not allow the outfielders to cheat in on him. So, you know, look, if he can get away with hitting 250 with some doubles, playing the defense he does, you know, he'll be a great addition to the team. So it's just a matter, you know, getting a little more time in AAA just to get comfortable. You know, he's seen Major League Pitching now. Hopefully he has a little better sense of what that's all about. But, you know, I'd expect that by the second half of the season, you're, you know, if everything goes as planned, that you'll probably see him up with the A's playing uh, playing shortstop on a pretty re- pretty regular basis. I, I can't imagine why they wouldn't uh, have him do that, at least by the second half of this season. We had a very scary situation yesterday in game one of the doubleheader where you had a ball in between Pender and Elvis. They collide. Mm. Pender got hit with Elvis's leg in the face and his neck, and you're like, oh, boy, you worry about concussion, you worry about neck, back, that whole thing. And the yep. whole time, that's going down, and Katze Paparesta and everybody comes out, and, and they're looking at these guys. And part of me was like, here – is the major problem with allowing teams and baseball to carry 8,000 pitchers. (laughs) You've got no depth. You have razor. You have razor thin depth on your bench because you got so many guys down in the bullpen and it's your guys' fault for making the game this way. And if both those players go out and we're in a doubleheader, what do you right. do? And that was kind of a question in the postgame show. Well, what really do we have at AAA? We've seen Christian Lopes. I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, uh, who's down there? If, if some guys get injured and we're still carrying only 12 position players and you need guys to come yeah. up, who really is down there that's good enough to come here and help the A's win? Well, it's interesting because I was just thinking about that very point. By the way, you can say hello to my cat there. Hello, um, kitty. Uh, <laughs> how, the, how is the kitty? 
but but I was just thinking about that the other day. When I was a kid, uh, I remember teams would typically have 16 position players on the roster. Now they've often got a dozen, you know, which means you've only got three guys on the bench. So and one's a, a big, catcher. <laughs> it's a big, big difference. And um, I don't know if you know, but the A's just released uh, Eric Thames and Buddy Reed from the AAA roster. So there's a couple of names down there that you might have known that that aren't there anymore. When did that uh, go down? Is that today? Uh, I th- believe it happened actually last night. Uh, Buddy Reed and Eric Thames. I okay. think if you go to the A's uh, transactions page, you'll see it see it listed there. But they did just add someone you might know, uh, Matt Davidson, first yeah. baseman, third baseman, who's been around, uh, power hitting, uh, right handed hitter. He was signed to a minor league deal, so he's now there at Vegas. He's a guy that could be. You know, first base, DH if you need it, still has some power. I was glad to see they brought up Louis Barrera. I thought he was one of the guys who should get an opportunity to get get some at-bats. Um, besides Barrera, Davidson, Nick Allen, those are probably the top guy. Oh, Shea Langoliers, of course, uh, yeah. not forgetting him. Those are the top guys down there. Um, you know, after that, much of the depth is at double-A this year. I mean, you've got guys like Zach Geloff, Logan Davidson, Max Schumann, Jonah Bride. They're all hitting really well at Midland. And I think before long, you'll see some spots opening up in AAA, and those guys will be up there, and they might be kind of the next round of reinforcements at this stage of the game. I totally understand. I don't like it. I hate it. I wish they would have dressed it in the CBA, and they didn't. And front office people will hate me for saying this. My apologies, Billy Bean and David Forrest and crew. I hate manipulating time. I think it's just <laughs> the dumbest. Like, can you just to, for people to understand how bad this practice is, can you imagine in other sports, we're going to draft Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal. We're going to draft Peyton Manning, Barry Sanders, you name it, down the line. And none of these superstars, Lawrence Taylor, guys who came out and were just unstoppable, right? Can you imagine in those other sports that they went, nope, we're not going to play them because we we don't want to make them free agents faster. What a crime that would have been to football and basketball. (laughs) We're not going to play Wayne Gretzky until we can manipulate his service time. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just like the stupid. We may never have these players like Stan Musial and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and these guys because we manipulate their service time. We stick them in the minors when they shouldn't be there. And that makes me think of Zach Geloff. We saw him in San Jose when the ports came here, and you're looking at this Mm -hmm. guy. Tall, athletic, can play. I mean, he he was laterally could move. I mean, I only saw him for one game, and I watched a lot of him, and you could just see, and just to watch him hit, he's got all the tools. Manipulating a guy's service time who's a college guy, I think is stupid. Like, if he's a college guy, you got to rush him to the big leagues. Well, I think I, I mean your your point is right. One thing to to take into consideration though is it is different in baseball. Football and basketball, they can come right out of the college game, go right to the pros. Well, minor leagues, the college is their minor leagues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So these guys, 
there's a lot more in the development process in baseball. So it is understandable if a guy comes right out of college and doesn't go straight to the majors. I mean, they used to try and do that with pitchers sometimes, and it rarely ever worked out. You know, there is a certain amount of development that's required. That's not to say that there isn't a certain amount of service time manipulation that goes on too, but Zach Geloff was just drafted last year. Usually guys like that start out at some level of A-ball. So the fact that they're even starting him out at double A this season is considered a bit of a push. Um, But, you know, some guys are more ready than others, and he certainly looks to be pretty ready. He's done nothing but hit. He's hitting, I think, 339 at Midland. Uh, I think as of last night, he was leading the Texas League in hits. And, um, you know, he's just done nothing but hits. So hopefully if he keeps this up by the second half of the season, maybe he'll be up in AAA at Vegas. And, uh, you know, that puts him obviously just one step away from the majors. Also, just so you know, he's been splitting time between third base and second base uh, this year at Midland. So he does have some positional versatility. So he could, you know, potentially slot in a couple different spots for the A's at some point in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect him to get to the big leagues this year. But I'm saying, as a college guy, you're not supposed to be there that long. And the way that we deal with players, how many years do you want this guy? Because, trust me, we've talked about ball, new ballparks not till at least 2028. <laughs> and if things keep going, we could be 2029. Geloff's what, 22? I think uh, 22, 22 or 23. Yeah, 22. probably 22. Let's just start doing the math. How long you how long you want this guy? So that's why when I'm looking at it, you know, I understand that the next great A in a new ballpark may be in high school right now. Maybe just entering college, right? That that's when you just that's just being realistic. So that's when I say Nick Allen. I want to know what the hell is Poisson gonna be anything or not? Like I wanna know because these guys may not be the answer for the new ballpark, but they could be the answer vaulting you into the new ballpark. So having a guy sit in the minor leagues forever, I don't know what that does for me. Well, also, you know, at this stage of the game where the A's are at, obviously we're in full rebuilding mode right now. So if there's ever a time to take a chance and roll the dice and see what you've got, it's a year like this. Now, I would expect that probably we will see a lot more guys get their major league shot in the second half. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guys on this roster that the A's will try to unload at the deadline. If you're a veteran or, you know, you're in the last legs of your contract, like most of these guys are, I don't think they're going to be around in the second half. If they can get, you know, a mediocre low A ball player for some of these guys at the deadline, I'm sure they will. So I think you're going to see a lot of roster churn at the deadline, which means you'll then also see a lot of the prospects who performed well in the first half, probably get a a much better chance to play and show what they can do in the second half this season. So last night I was up late and I was emailing Cody an article that came out MLB.com. This is not going to shock you. It was so basically they pulled a bunch of executives and certain executives did reply and they had a bunch of questions for the start of 2022. Who's the best team? Who's the best player? All that kind of stuff. And then it came down to who's the most tradable guy at the deadline. Who do you think got the most votes? Oh, uh, well, I'm guessing maybe it, well, I'm assuming it was an A's player. I'm assuming Frankie Montaz. Ding, uh, ding, ding, uh, ding, ding. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, yeah, 
I mean, I hold if it's me, I'm holding him to the deadline. I'm I'm getting just desperate GMs out there. There's going to be GMs yep. who are absolutely desperate. And when I mean desperate, some of these guys are going to be fighting for their jobs. So mm-hmm. if you can find a GM that knows if he doesn't go on a playoff run, doesn't get to the playoffs, he could be losing his job. And if you think you're going to lose a job, you don't care about the prospects in your minor league system because you may not have a job to even enjoy those prospects. So find the most desperate guy. But I'm going to allow you, Bill, to be running the show for me. And you got Frankie Montas. You're going to trade him. You know our minor – you and Melissa Lockhart know our minor league system as well as anybody. What does our system need? You're trading Frankie Montas. What do you want to get back? Well, I'll tell you, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing more value – and I think most – GMs would agree with me. There's nothing more valuable than pitching. You know, you can sort of always, well, almost always, uh, not this year with the A's, find a hitter. But uh, but pitching is so hard to come by and it's become so much more valuable and there's so many pitching injuries. The number of A's minor league pitchers on the IL is just ridiculous. So I think pitching is such a rare, valuable commodity. And if I'm trading a guy like Frankie Montas, I want to get a couple of arms that I can count on are going to be major league pitchers very soon in return. Um, You know, obviously you have to deal with different teams and see what you can get. You know, if somebody's offering a really valuable hitter, they're willing to give up that you really value. Hey, you'll take them. But for me, especially if I'm giving up a pitcher, I want to get a couple of good arms in return that I feel are going to be solid major leaguers going forward. And I think you saw the A's do that in most of the deals in the offseason. They really restocked the minor league uh, pitching system, getting, you know, Zach Logue and Adam Aller and JT Ginn and Ryan Cusick and Gunnar Hoagland and Joey Estes. That's what they really seem to be intent on doing and that's certainly what i would do if i was going to deal frankie montas get a couple arms that can really help you in the next year or two you know the fans are going to go bill come on i want a star i want a guy Mm -hmm. who plays every day i want a guy who hits bombs who can run play defense doesn't strike out every time of the play why can't i get one of those guys I, I know it's a lot of fun, but, you know, pitching is really the name of the game more than anything. You know, I remember back when the the Mets were trading going to trade Tom Seaver. And the theory at the time was that no starting pitcher was worth a regular starting position player, even Tom Seaver. And the Reds gave up like six, you know, uh, <laughs> non-starters to get Tom Seaver because they refused to give up a starting position player, even for Tom Seaver. But in the modern game, people know that pitching is really the name of the game. You know, you just don't see teams going to the playoffs or the World Series that don't have a good pitching staff. You know, that really is more important, even though it's far less exciting than seeing a guy hitting them out of the park. But you know what? Even Renato Nunez or Chris Carter can hit 30 home runs a year out of the park park and nobody actually wants to put them on their roster these days so that shows you how much more important pitching is than than even power at this point in the game tom siever had a nice little career 311 wins a 2.86 era a 109.9 war he was a decent little pitcher actually recently <laughs> yeah. i don't know what i was watching i can't remember what it was but they were showing the all-star game from when what the hell? I don't know why it was on, but it was the All-Star game at Yankee Stadium 
where Tom Seaver is obviously a National League All-Star, but he's a National League All-Star as a Cincinnati Red, and mm. everybody at Yankee Stadium, because of he starred New York, he got this standing ovation, and it didn't stop. And he kept right. tipping his cap, and then he stepped back in line, went back out, tipped his cap again, and it was like, <laughs> I've never seen that before. That was a, that was a big league deal. Okay, um, guys, lower level, Poisson, Muncie, looking at these guys, who looks like going to be the real deal? And Poisson, are we five point one million? Is it ever gonna? Is it ever gonna work out? You know those those you know Dominican teenagers are always a bit of a crapshoot, and uh, you know he's still nineteen, so who's to say for sure? But you know he didn't have a good year at Stockton last year. They've moved him to second base. You know he's hitting about two twenty this year in his oh. second year at Stockton. He's still nineteen. I mean, if he's going to pan out, it's going to be a long term project. You know, it's it's not going to happen overnight. So I, I wouldn't want to put too many eggs in that basket. But I'll tell you, there are a couple guys at Stockton that are really performing well, that are really exciting, that I think really worth keeping an eye on. Of course, last year's top draft pick for the A's, uh, Max Muncy, Max Muncy 2.0, uh, the shortstop. Uh, he's uh, he's just 19 years old at Stockton. He's leading the team in home runs. He's taking a lot of walks. He's getting on base. He's playing well across the board. His batting average is still a little low. He's sitting around 210 or something, but he's taking walks, getting on base, hitting for power, playing well enough in the field at 19. 19 years old in the Cal League and A's people I've talked to are very excited about the way he plays the game. So I think Max Muncie is definitely someone to keep an eye on and who will definitely be moving along a lot more quickly than than Robert Poisson. And another guy from last year's draft the A's fourth round pick, outfielder Denzel Clark, has yeah. really gotten off to a great start at Stockton. You know, he's a big guy, and he's got a really intriguing mix of speed and power. He's leading the team in both extra base hits and stolen bases. I think he's already stolen 10 bases, and he's a big guy. He's got power. I mean, it kind of makes me think of, you know, not to exaggerate, but he's kind of an Andre Dawson type, you know, like he's a big guy. He's got speed. He's got power. He kind of seems like he'd do anything. They started him in right field. Now he's been playing in center field. If he can stick in center field, that makes him even more valuable. But he's really performed well out of the gate. So I think Max Muncy and Denzel Clark, who were, you know, were both draft picks last year have performed well at Stockton. And then last year's second round pick, who we talked about, Zach, Zach Geloff's been performing really well at Midland. So the A's last year's draft class has really been looking good. I mean, having, you know, those three out of your top four picks really off to tremendous starts their first, with their first full season teams is, is really a good sign. Well, I got to tell you, what you do for us here on A's Cast, we absolutely love it. I mean, this is such a pivotal time to find out what's going on in our minor league system and who are the who are the future A's who are going to help us get back on track. So we always love having you on the program. We always appreciate what you do for us for A's Cast. It's a great listen. Be well, and let's talk again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Always happy to talk prospects with you, Chris. Take care. Bill Moriarty who does a fantastic job once again uh, covering the minor league system, editor-in-chief of Athletics Farm. And, you know, listen to Ace Cast all the time, Cody, and when he, his segments pop on and he's talking to managers or he's talking to Ed Sprague and getting the dish, as I we just, like to say. I just uploaded the newest episode of The Farm yesterday with uh, Grady Fuson. It's like 30 minutes long with Bill and Grady, so – 
Check it out, athletics.com slash acecast, as it says if you're streaming on the uh, watching on YouTube on the top left-hand side of the screen. Coming up next, the Pitching Ninja right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't. Because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, he's an absolute legend. A titan in the game of baseball now. At Pitching Ninja on Twitter. Nobody better following the game of baseball and what's going on on the mound. And we love having Rob Friedman on the program, the Pitching Ninja. Rob, how are you? I am doing great. I think my camera isn't working, but that's okay, right? We got to see you. Where are you? I don't know. I'm trying to get this thing working. My computer is having problems. Well, let me tell you a story. It happened this <laughs> it happened this past football season. So I went to San Jose State and uh I'm at a San Jose State football game. The game ends and I'm walking down the stands. He's not there? He uh dropped out. He was there. His video was there and then it disappeared. And like no, he's back but it's not showing his video. Why is that? When you first when you first came on when you're waiting and no, well he's gone again. When he was in the waiting room, it showed his actual video. Like he was yeah, there I on saw video. him. Yeah, and then now he's now it's not. We're video. working the kinks out, folks. Dude, I can't help you. I don't understand what's going on. This is. I mean, bad. I'm here to sell merchandise. I need to see the logo. <laughs> I'm trying to sell I your merch. I'm trying to sell your merch. I know. Come on, I'm going to keep working on it. All right. Well, I'll sell the story. Did you hear about San Jose State football? No, I didn't. I heard it started. All right, so I'm at a San Jose State football game. It's the end of the game. I'm walking down the, the stands, and a guy has one of your hats on. And I go, Pitching Ninja. And he goes, you know? And I go, oh, I know the Pitching Ninja. I mean, so you're, you're talking about your merch blowing up. When I'm seeing it at a college football game, your merch, out at least out here, I don't know what the numbers say, but – we see it now. We see with all the A's. I, I've worn your shirt on TV. Uh, A's players are wearing it. I see the hats in the stands. I hope you're doing well because I know out west I'm seeing pitching ninja merch. Well, I love hearing that. I mean, there's nothing better than seeing all that stuff out there. I still love it. Like I, I walked up to someone at the All Star game who's wearing a pitching ninja shirt, and I was like, "Dude, nice shirt." <laughs> it's like, and he was like, "You look like him." I'm like, um. Yeah, kind of him, him. So it was kind of, it was really cool. Like, I love it. 
Well, I saw the other day on Twitter you've come out with a whole different line of different colors and the trucker mesh hats, and it's like your hats, what's great about them, they're good looking, good design, go with a lot of different styles of clothing. You can wear them for golf. You can wear them for a baseball game. I think what you've done is you've created a line that really is something I can either wear a golf, ball game, going out to dinner. It's a slick look. Well, I love to hear that because, uh, see, you have great hair, though. You don't need a hat. Like my <laughs> hair, I, I shave my head. Like, I need to have a hat. I mean, I, I do this all for me. Well, you're doing it well. So I so check this out. When Ray Fossey passed, we decided to do a series during our pregame shows of all of Ray's old interviews. And we ran an interview yesterday with Ray and Sparky Anderson, the Hall of Famer from the mid-'90s, he was complaining about the bat, the baseball in the mid-90s. And now here we are today. You got Eric Chavez, the hitting coach, former A, hitting coach for the Mets, complaining about the baseball. Chris Bassett complaining about the baseball. You're doing all these analytics. and You're doing all these breakdowns. What's going on with the baseball? Dude, I don't know. Like, all right, so these are this is one thing. Like, it's handmade, right? So yeah. you get a handmade couch. It's going to be different every time we do these things by hand. You're always going to have kind of inconsistencies in the baseball. That's just one of those things. Now, the issue that you run into are there, you know, when you have different batches of them, like one year, they're trying to do one thing. The next year, they're trying to do another thing with the leather. It, they, they need to get more player input on this stuff and really work out the kinks before you just chuck a ball in there. It seems like like the ball is such an integral part of the game. And uh, I, I feel like it sometimes is done without much forethought because they think, you know, hey, it doesn't really matter. But it does matter. Well, yeah, it matters a lot because it is the most important part of our game. It's the how the game starts. Everything's about where the ball goes. Whatever the camera follows is the most important thing, and you're following the ball. And if the ball, if it's changing – if the seams are different, if the way just however it's moving. And that's the one thing I try and tell people all the time. The players understand equipment. I don't care if we're talking football, golf, whatever. Like a golfer, you give a golfer a different golf ball than he's using. And like, let's say you gave him a golf ball that didn't have any of the logos or anything. He would know exactly this is not my ball. They know their equipment better than anybody else. And when the pitchers are all saying, man, Different innings, the, the the balls are different. And now the conspiracy is we're having different balls for primetime games versus regular games. This is just not right. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be those conspiracy things when you don't have a uniform thing. Everybody's going to say, oh, well, they don't like this team, so they're doing this with the ball for that game. I don't think they even necessarily – you know, they, they haven't thought that out. I think sometimes they think the ball is going to fly further and it doesn't. Because there's so many different factors aerodynamically that come into play, like higher seams fly fly more in some situations, maybe not in other situations. So I think it's really tough to do intentionally, but the fact that it changes all the time gives rise to that conspiracy. Regarding golf balls, like I, I mean, I could tell my golf ball, but sometimes I don't really want to. Like I'll pick up someone else's and just play it if it's a better lie, wouldn't you? No, you wouldn't do that because you're a good <laughs> golfer. I'm terrible. No, but I can tell you right now, if if 
I can tell, and I, I'm a hack, but I can tell the difference between I can tell the difference between the different Pro Vs. Like some are softer, some spin more. But if you go a Callaway versus a Titleist, I can completely tell you the difference. And I'm a hack. So can you imagine a baseball player who touches that baseball every day? Every day he's playing catch. He's throwing bullpens. He constantly has the ball in his hand. He can tell that, hey, this ball from three years ago, seams, weight, feel, it's different. They can tell. Oh, 100%. So I was hearing a conversation with some hitters, and they were saying – you know, I can pick up a bat, maybe my, my usual bat's 32.5 or 32.4. And if it was, I could say this one feels a little heavier, this one feels a little lighter, and it was like a tenth of an ounce difference. So absolutely, the equipment matters, and I think we don't give that enough uh, credence. I, I, I just, I think the players absolutely can tell. Um, and you, you, you had those issues with sticky stuff too, where players, some players were using something just to get some tack on the ball because they felt like they were, they couldn't get a grip and they were worried about hitting people. You know, others did it for spin, obviously, but you have folks that are legitimately worried because some of the MLB balls are just too hard and the seams were too low. So it was tough to grip them. Someday we'll work this out, but, uh, yeah, oh, you don't want to get me started on that issue as a former pitcher. Nothing fries me more than you got your batting helmet. You got you got your elbow guard. You got a shin guard. You got an ankle guard. You got all the python, all the uh, all the pine tar. You got the sticky spray. You got batting gloves. We give these chumps every possible thing they can have at the plate, and all we get is rosin. That's it, <laughs> really. Why can't we have pine tar? Why can't we have a sticky spray? Why do you get to have all these advantages? And hitters will be like, well, that's different. No, it's not. You get to have all that. Why can't like, I? Last time I worked in the NFL for years, everybody in the NFL has the same pads, same helmets. You get everybody, a quarterback could have the same elbow, same form arm stuff that a defensive lineman does if he wanted. Why can hitters have different stuff than pitchers? I don't understand that. Not fair. Dude, I totally, I love it. I love you. That is exactly right. I don't think it's fair either. Um, you know, and, and, and I do think like, Hey, it makes the game more fun when you see the ball spinning like that and really nasty curveballs and stuff like that. I, I think it's cool. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, uh, Hitter, hitters get all the love. That's why I exist, is to give pitchers love. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. This is what I was put on earth to do, was to help the pitchers. Since we have, since, I mean, I mean now, whenever, they, whenever I'm at a game or we watch a game on TV, it, it's such a half-assed check, the umpire with the pitchers down in the hand. It's, it's ridiculous. But have you seen what differences spider tack or – copper tone with rosin sunscreen ever since we supposedly outlawed this and are checking what have you seen from everything that you do monitoring these pictures what's the biggest difference you know i think spin rate has generally gone down some so you you do have uh the intended effect i think you know using sticky stuff definitely drove up spin rates but i see pictures coping different ways so people realize like the normal rosin, you know, it, it's, it's not particularly sticky unless you mix it with sweat or something. So you'll see a lot of, of pitchers going to their hair or going to their arm. 
not to get something illegal, but to get sweat mixed with rosin, which makes with at least adds that tack, and you can get those spin it's, rates it's a little kinda, better. It's kind of, it's kind of, yeah. I know. It's, yeah, it's in not, cold, it's, it's, in cold weather, it does nothing because you're really not sweating. Right. You have to like somehow create some sweat. Um, and that's when you really see like under your hat, maybe your, your hair, hair will be a little sweaty. But yeah, that's the best you can do. Um, and it's a workaround. So I think people are you, you'll see a lot of pitchers sometimes go to their hair um, and, and spin rates went down. And now they seem to crept up a tiny bit. They're still not where they were, but people are try, trying to figure it out. I don't think a lot of pitchers are. I think when they put it down and said, hey, everybody, you can't do this. I think pitchers listen to that. And I don't see a lot of like I watch folks and see what they're doing. And I don't think there are pitchers that are trying to break that rule, because if you get caught, you're screwed. Like that's your reputation for, you know, for a long time. Now, uh, the commander is brought up at Pitching Ninja on Twitter and your breakdown. We know that uh, Polly Blackburn, Polly Kays. <laughs> has changed his grip in the offseason for his breaking ball. You've noticed it's changed. He's got the ability to flip it in for a strike and he's got the he's got the hammer to strike you out with. What are the differences in your that you're seeing with Paul Blackburn? Oh, I mean it's just it it's kind of night and day. He has been I think he's opened up a lot of eyes around the country just how effective he's been. That breaking ball is is sick. Um and it went it, it just increased its uh, effectiveness a ton. Yeah, I mean it is uh it is impressive when you see baseball across the entire deal now cuz more relievers are throwing than ever before. We're seeing more sliders than any other pitches. Are you surprised by that and will will we just con- continue to see this develop more to where it's just going to be a slider game and it's not a fastball game anymore? I think I think it's been happening for years. So this is a great point that you bring up because Obviously, velocity has been increasing over years, right? Like, you know, yeah. it, it's you're seeing more hundred mile an hour throwers, but hitters, because you have to adjust to that velo, you don't want to get beat on it. You're sitting that. So breaking pitches are more effective. So you have more pitchers throwing breaking balls than fastballs because hitters have to fear the fastball. Um, so yeah, I think you are gonna see that. And I also think. The slider works really well with kind of, you know, people were saying the two-seamer sinker is dead. You're seeing a lot of them now because if you if you think about it, you think about how a slider tunnels with a two-seamer. One goes arm side, one goes glove side. You can really set up some interesting scenarios where hitters can't pick up the spin if you start it off the plate. And you have the sinker that runs to the plate and the, and the slider that runs off. So it makes for a really good pairing of pitches as well. I know you're in a time crunch. You got time for one more? Yeah, absolutely. Can you truly explain tunneling from the standpoint of the pitcher and also the standpoint of the hitter? Because he's got to be the one that sees it, doesn't see it, and his brain's out to react, swing or not. Explain that to our audience. Yeah, so as a hitter, you're looking for a pitch. And generally, I mentioned you're sitting fastball. So you're looking for a pitch out of the pitcher's hand. Um, you really don't pick up spin. And that's what hitters have said almost unanimously. We give them too much credit for picking up spin. They may pick up something different in your grip um, as you're releasing it, but they don't really see the spin, especially with high spin rates. It's just a blur. 
So if you can throw pitches that kind of look the same by the time the hitter has to make a decision and they break differently, um, the hitter is you know, usually hunting a fastball. And if he sees it looking like a fastball trajectory and all of a sudden it's a slider or a changeup that looked like that fastball, they're, they're, they're kind of hosed. Um, so if you think of a tunnel, those, pit, those baseballs are going down a tunnel on the way to home plate, and then one of the pitches is exiting the tunnel. Um, and hopefully later then the hitter has to make a decision. So the hitter has to, you know, you can't, you can't wait for the ball to get to home plate to make a decision because you're going to be late. So you have to swing somewhere in front of home plate. And to the extent they look the same at that point, you got it. Like the, the hitter is, is hosed. As a pitcher, you're trying to take advantage of that effect, which is mirror, mirror your mechanics. You don't want, you want to have somewhat similar mechanics on, on, on all your pitches. Um, ideally, some don't, and that's fine. But if you if it looks the same and maybe you even throw you're seeing pitchers now throw the ball straight down the middle of the plate, like all, all their pitches and letting the movement take over. So you have a fastball down the middle and your your changeup goes arm side, your slider goes glove side and maybe you know, a two seamer or something off of that or a splitter off of that. But you're just aiming down the middle. And that's tunneling right there, right? So you're you're you know you're creating this triangle of death. I like to call it for for uh, hitters. Well, we love having you on the program. Uh, get out there, check out the merch at Pitching Ninja. What's your website? Uh, PitchingNinja.com. That's that's easy, right? That's easy. The merch is there. You got shirts, hats. You got everything, right? Yeah, totally. And I I wish I had a working camera. That's my only yeah. <laughs> drawback today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to like show because because your logo is great. Hey, if you want to, can you see us right now? Let me try. Did you just hang up on him. No. He uh he dropped out to try to add it to him to add to fix his camera. Here, no, no, no. Nope, just the audio. Hey, if you want us to put some uh, ninja merch down on the table to help sell it, let us know. We're here for you, buddy. <laughs> I'll send you some. I've got to do that. Yeah, right? we can put like a, a ninja hat right right between us. It'd be killer. Yeah, y'all need to just wear one. Yeah, like, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You send me some merch, I'll pimp it. All right. we That's a deal. Well, I told you I do these hits on NBC California for our pre- and post-game show. I was wearing your A's version, the green with the uh, gold ninja. I was wearing that on TV. That is one of my favorite color combos, too, to be honest. Like, I love that. Yeah, so I've already – I've pimped you on TV. Hey, let me tell you, <laughs> you send stuff, I'll take care of you. <laughs> I love it. All right, buddy, you be well. Thank you. You too. It's always great to see you. The pitching. Right, you can't see me, though. So. Yeah, we want to see you. Next time we got to <laughs> figure this out. This is terrible. <laughs> well, then let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Take care. Take care, man. The pitching ninja right here. How about that? Any good? He explained tunneling to you. I know. And when he was sitting in the, the uh, when we don't call it the green, there's a room that they call it here on a stream yard. But it's like the waiting room for me to add him to the stream. He was sitting there with the video on, just waiting to come on. And then when we were coming back from the commercial break, he was gone. And it was just odd. I don't know. I, I texted him and told him, make sure you don't have your camera running for Zoom or anything else that you might be using it for because that sometimes affects it. But All right. I'm checking the uh... – I'm checking the because we already had Matt Davidson. We had that we had that days ago that Matt Davidson signed with the A's. Yeah, I think we talked about that. On... I am on our official transactions. What today's the 11th, right? Yeah. 
A's have optioned Adrian Martinez, who, by the way, was fantastic yesterday. Oh, it was great. Major debut. Mean, seriously. We haven't even gotten into that. His debut was phenomenal. Second game, doubleheader, making your debut, and all you do is go out and throw out shutout baseball inning after inning. What was it, five and a third? Yeah, five and a third. If you would have told me five and a third scoreless, you take that? It is major debut. For a debut? Are you kidding me? He was, you know what? He's a low going tonight. I want to see more of. Martinez, I want to see more of. I'm with you. Uh, I, I mean, let's see. Can you compete? You don't always have to be a first-round draft pick. You don't always have to be a bonus baby. Light can go on at any time for any of these guys. I mean, Lowe's last outing, what, he give up two runs? I mean, I want to see him. There's certain guys I want to see more of. Find out what you got. It's the year of discovery. For God's sakes, I go to the preview here. Uh, your ball club right now is 12-19. and 19. All right, you're in last place. Let's find some guys that can play. Like, forget Eric Thames is gone, I guess. I don't see it in the transactions. I don't know if you can guarantee it until we announce it. But uh, Buddy Reed gone, I don't see it in the trans. But if those guys are not guys that were going to help you this year, what are they there for? Find some guys that you could potentially call up and help you out. And Adrian Martinez, part of the Sean Mania trade, for sure is that guy. Everything boring down. Sinker is two-seam fastball boring down. Change up down. Do you have it? I'm on the MILB transactions page, and it says on here, Las Vegas Is that more official than our own? Um, I don't know. I mean, this is run by Major League, Minor League Baseball. It's more updated, but. Uh, that's run by Minor League Baseball, but it says on there, Las Vegas Aviators release first baseman Eric Thames, and then Las Vegas release center fielder Buddy Reed. Wait, so, we had Buddy Reed on. Last spring training. And he was so, supposed to be the next. Oh, I got him for the Padres. He's a Padres, right? Got him for yeah, the Padres. Pod, it's going to be this guy. Power, gonna, and, power and speed, and, uh, well, he's no longer here. He's going to. He's going to. Allegedly. Gonna, allegedly no longer here, according to MILB transactions. Because I'm on our transactions because I live on athletics.com. I'll even refresh it. Well, maybe. Well, never mind. Because it says it shows that we released someone that. Maybe it's because they're not on the 40-man roster. I don't know. Maybe that. Well, it says we signed Matt Davidson. Yeah, well, that's a signing, so I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how the transactions page works. That's a question for Mike Selleck or Mark Ling. Said we optioned down Adrian Martin. It says the moves that we're making. There's been a lot of moves in minor league baseball. I was looking, if you look at just today, at the very bottom of the page is Adrian Martinez news. So it's right, like towards the very bottom. Then you have all these different moves <laughs> that happened in minor league baseball. Oh, you can't cover it. Like, if you cover minor league baseball, that's fine. But if you cover major league baseball, you can't follow all this. The movement, the guys. I mean, I was looking yesterday. There, there's a top prospects that have already made their debut. How do you I, – I can't. This guy was number 88 on the top 100 for the Kansas City Royals. Bobby Wood Jr. was number one. So it we was know, a Bobby we, Wood we know, Jr. We know he debuted. Somebody else. I'm like, uh. We know he debuted. He wasn't doing well. Um, a lot of the guys that were actually highly touted prospects, Torkelson, not hitting. A lot of guys aren't hitting. Pena is for the Astros. He's in home runs for sure. Yeah, he looks good. Uh, do you think they already forgot Carlos Correa in Houston? Uh, no, because he's there right now. Uh, well, on the injured list, though. 
but he was there. He was palling around with everybody. Verlander going for another no-no. Verlander has taken so many no-nos into the eighth inning, it's amazing. I think I have. It's, it really is. I mean, it the amount of – how many? It's like six, seven, eight, something like that? Most no-hit bids of seven-plus innings in the expansion era. Nolan Ryan. Well, he's got everyone. Nolan Ryan, 23. <laughs> yeah, no, Nolan Ryan. Anything that has to do with no-hitters, one-hitters, Nolan Ryan's your guy. Justin Verlander, eight. Randy eight. Johnson, Randy, eight. Randy Johnson, eight. Your guy, Coney, David Cohn, six. Former A, Ken Holtzman, six. When are you going to come around on David Cohn should be in the Hall of Fame? I never said I haven't. You were just arguing about him going, and I said, well, Granky's going in then. I I much rather have – I much rather have David Cohn than Zach Granky in a big game. I don't deny that. Granky hasn't got a chance to pitch in a lot of big games. I'm just I, – I, I, David Cohn – there's a reason why everybody traded for David Cohn. There's a reason why you wanted him in the World Series. You want that stuff. He plays. Can I give you some stats from Reed Detmers? I, you know what I'm getting out of? You know I, What am I getting out of, Zach Greinke? Well, now that he's 38 years old. Or- well, I know. But, Zach Greinke, you just, you just send me numbers. I, you're not, you're not where, where's my heart of a lion guy? I want the dude. Is Greinke the dude? Did Greinke even want to be the dude? No. So why would I want him when, when my when my baseball life is on the line? Do I want a guy who goes? I don't want to have to talk to the media after no hitter. That's why I don't want to throw one. Is that the kind of guy I want? I mean, he's so pretty damn. And I have good. no idea why I'm screaming. Is that the guy I want? <laughs> he's so pretty damn good, though. I'm not saying that. You're not answering the question. I answer the question. I'll, I take I I take David Cohn. Do you want a guy when your baseball life is on the line? Do you want a guy on the mound whose mentality is, I just will go out and pitch, and I really don't even want to throw a no-hitter because I'd have to talk to the media after. Is that the kind of guy you want? Most teams will say no, but Granky's still good. I mean, Is that what Tom Brady wanted? Is that what Joe Montana wanted, the greatest winners? Don't, don't, don't talk about Tom Brady. He's going to make more money being an analyst when he's did, done playing. Did Michael Jordan not want to score 50 because he didn't want to talk to the media after? Uh, Jordan was a, as they say, a killer when it came to the big games. So it's Tom- Kobe, whoever you want. Who do you want? LeBron. You think Steph Curry doesn't want to hit 13 threes because he's afraid to, I'm going to talk to the media after, and I'm after. That's the guy you want? No, it's not. That's your, that's your Grinky. You know what Grinky is? Grinky's the guy that wants to take a lot of money and go pitch in Arizona because nobody cares. Uh, and has no problem going to Kansas City. Would love would have stayed in Kansas City because nobody cares. That that's that's that that's Zach Rinky. Can I, can I give you? Can we change and give you some numbers on Reed Detmer since we lightly touch on it? Because out of Louisville, Reed Detmer threw the twelfth no hitter in Angels history. Of course, Nolan Ryan has most of them. Oh, uh, the Rays were no hit for the sixth time in their history. First time since Felix Hernandez's perfect game. They were also perfect wow, game they by have most. They got a lot of. Yeah. Dallas Braden threw a perfect game. Wow. Um, this was the 11th career start for Reed Detmers. He had a 633 ERA coming in. He got a very uh, – that play that Jared Walsh made where they called it an error. Could have won either way. No, yeah. that's an error. You don't think that was an I, error? I think it was an error, but I'm, I'm trying to play contrarian here. But he only struck out two batters. This is what – It's a ground ball to first base. They had to move a couple steps to his right, and he booted it. You yeah. give that a he, hit. He, oh, my God. He bobbled it, and then he picked it up and dropped it. So it's definitely an error. He struck out two batters. That's the fewest in a no-hitter since Francisco Liriano had that many in a 2011. 
There has been a guy as recent as 1969 that struck out zero guys in a no-hitter. Who was he? Who am I? A no-no with no strikeouts. I'll give you, I'll give you a clue. I mentioned his name already once today in the, next, in the last 10 minutes, and he was a former A. That's not Verlander. No. Um, He's on that list, though, that I mentioned. Former A? You, you mentioned a former yep, A? I did. World Series. Do I just not listen to you? Probably. It was Nolan Ryan. It was Verlander, Randy Johnson, David Cohn, and I Ken Holtzman. Zero strikeouts with the Cubs in 1969. I could see that happening. Yeah. Who's the last? All right, let's test. I don't know. This is, yeah, I Jessica thought. gave me trivia, by the way, at 9 in the morning yesterday. And she was going into Philadelphia Athletics trivia. <laughs> when is the last thing? Like, I got Nap Lajouet on because that was the only name I could pull. It was um, <laughs> who was something the last A or who was the Philadelphia A to do something? And I'm like, the only pit, I mean, I Lefty Gomez. Lefty Grove. Lefty Grove. Lefty Gomez. Lefty, <laughs> Lefty Grove. But this was an offensive one. I got it right just because, I mean, I could only think. I'm Nap Lajouet. I mean, it was either, oh, and then the other one, I could, it was either Lajway or, um, God, he was just in my head. Eddie Collins. Oh, okay, yeah. Those are the only two Philadelphia athletic position player Hall of Famers I could pull. But I got it right. Oh, uh, what about, uh, whatever her, whatever her question was, Nap Lajway was the answer. Isn't, uh, is it Mikey, Mickey Cochran in the Hall of Fame? Nah, catcher. Yeah. I couldn't pull him. It was yeah. nine in the morning, and then she, 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 she brought up some Kansas City athletics trivia on me. Uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Ken, uh, Ken Hawk Harrelson, Tony Larusa. Uh, that's yeah, that's about as far as I mean. Besides Joe Rudy and the guys that played in Kansas City before they came to Oakland. Didn't Phil Garner come up in Kansas City? Uh, ooh. Rick Monday, first ever draft pick out of Arizona State. Uh, you're missing the, the the trivia of trivia. And if you don't know this, I question your baseball knowledge. Reed Detmer is the Detmers. Detmers is the is the wait, 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 let me. He's not the only angel rookie to throw a no no. Who's the last angel to throw? <coughs> Mark Langston. Nope. Uh it was Witt. Nope. Uh, I don't know that. Bo Belinsky, you don't know that? Uh, no. How do you not know that? Why would I? I don't pay attention to Angels history. How do you not know Bo Belinsky did this? If you ask my wife or father-in-law who are Angels fans, they probably couldn't tell you that. It was like yesterday. It was like 1960. Yeah, like yesterday. I wasn't even born yet. Uh, it was 1960. You don't know that 1962 on May 5th he pitched a no-hitter? You saw this You saw this somewhere, and now you act like you knew about it the whole time. Of course. I saw it on <laughs> Quick Pitch last night on, on on uh, on MLB Network. What do you think I do at night? I watch MLB Network. They give you all. They give me all my knowledge on stuff. But you think I know it with 1962? Yeah, I would have never have guessed that. You know what his nickname was Street Rat. Interesting. Bobolinsky, known as the Street Rat from Trenton Central High School. Who did he throw the nut? Phil Garner was not brought up through the. Kansas City A's. Oh, by the way, that would be the a career record of 25 and 51, but through the first no-hitter in the history of the Los Angeles Angels. 
They were the Los Angeles Angels at the time. And the first one at? The Big A. Chavez Ravine. Oh, wow. I am spitting knowledge at you right now. It was the first at Chavez Ravine beating the Baltimore Orioles 2-zip in 1962. Oh, by the way, how's that possible? The Dodger? Sandy Koufax hadn't thrown a no-no yet? Uh, what year was 1962? 1962. Uh, that's when Koufax started. They the, moved west. The Dodgers moved yeah. west in 58. He was in the peak of his uh, five-year peak where he was the best pitcher ever. Uh, he had to have had a no-hitter in there. I believe, every, But I believe everything that I read, but maybe they're on the road. Okay. Dodgers no-hitter since they moved to L.A. Sandy Koufax. Had one in 62, but where was it? He had another one in 63. He had another one in 64. Now, this is wrong. Well, where did they, they – where were they playing? Were they playing at the Coliseum? What year did Dodger Stadium open up? Uh, Chavez Ravine, let's see. I mean, if Bobolinski's doing it, and it might be – you know, it could be true because Sandy's was June 30th, 1962. Bobolinski's was May 5th. It would have been a month ahead. Um, let me, I'm looking up to see when. Bobolinski threw a no-hitter at Dodger Stadium before Sandy Koufax did. I bet you didn't know that. Well, they're renovating Dodger Stadium right now for the All-Star game. 1962, April 10th, 1962. I told you, I believe everything I read on the Internet, and it's proof Bobolinski threw the first no-hitter at Dodger Stadium as a Los Angeles Angels ever before Sandy Koufax did it against the Mets. Can you can you tell me Hey, by the way? Point the other. You're welcome. You're welcome. You I'm uh, you, I'm pointing at oh, uh, you're point, depending yeah, on which yeah, count. There you go. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm educating you. I'm educating everybody today on A's cast. About the first Angels no hitter? But no, the first Dodger Stadium no hitter. Dodger Stadium no hitter. You know the oh, idea? you'd go Koufax, Drysdale. No, Bo Belinsky, the street rat, is the first one. <laughs> Mark Langston was on the list of no-hitters. It was a combined no-hitter, but. Mark Langston? What? Mark Langston? He was a combined no-hitter with him and. Um... Okay, first of all, that doesn't count anyway. That was in what, the 90s? Uh, no, it was the 80s. Late 80s? As an angel? As an angel, yeah. He was still an angel in the late 80s? It I thought he was I, a no, Seattle Mariner no, in the it was, late 80s. it was the early 80s. For Langston. No, it was. He was not. He was in college in the 80s, for God's sakes, at San Jose State. Mark Langston. You have poor baseball knowledge. Mark Langston was. Yeah, 1990. Thank you. Mark Langston in the early 80s probably was so, a kid at Santa Clara <laughs> playing soccer and baseball. Oh, by the way, give you a heads up. Uh, Gooby's coming on with us on Friday, so we can ask him about Rendon. He's got a lot of explaining to yeah. do because he says this is like this great moment in baseball, and I want the integrity police to say, you're making a mockery of the game. Well, we'll see what Gooby has to say. Friday, 4-15. Love it. On the field. On the field, yeah. First time we'll see him in a couple of years. All right, we got to do Petriello, right? Yeah. All right, so you want a break here? Uh, sure. We're paying the bills, and the next Mike Petriello from MLB.com and MLB Network right here on A's Cast Live. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty, before we get to Mike Petriello, we need to promote this sweet hat that we're giving away. You ready, Cody? Yeah, join us as we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage at the ballpark Friday, May 13th, or a couple days from now. Friday, May 13th. Snag an AAPI hat presented by Cal State East Bay at athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. Now the A's are taking on Reed the Halos. Det- Reed Detmers, left-handed hitting Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and the Look team. at the under the underbill. The underbill is sweet. Yeah, that and then I love the underbill. You got the sponsor, Cal State East Bay. Cal State East Bay. Let me get that in there. And, and then, then stop Asian hate on the – was that the left side of the hat? Stop Asian hate right there. Once again, the underbill is sweet. I call this the Tiger Woods lid. This is what you're wearing on Sundays when you're going to win a major championship. Old T-Gray busts out what? Red. Bust out the red, but it's a lot of time. It's black and red. He's wearing black pants and red, red, red yeah. polo. This is what this is what you when you're with your buddies golfing on Sundays and you're playing for some cash. This is the hat you put on. You're going to win some money, win some stakes. That's Friday, May thirteenth. You can snag the AAPI yeah, this hat. Is hat. Sweet. This I've, is one of the best. No offense to all giveaway hats in the history of of giveaways. Uh, this might be the best one. Athletics.com slash tickets. All right. Earlier today on video, this is a cool thing about what we're doing now on YouTube and on uh, Twitter is to have, as we had Bill on, should have had the Ninja. That's, but, a, that's a user error. That's but, not but, on us. But this is, this is the future, man. People want to see it, right? You want to hear it on AceCast, great. But you'd also like to see it. And that's what shows are all about. Here is Mike Petriello from MLB.com and MLB Network. Have you been so far this first start of the season? Uh, things have been great. You know, baseball's been super fun. Lots of good stories. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, you know, you look at a lot of the stories, and there's a lot of interest, whether on both coasts. And wouldn't you say that's probably been one of the things that's been really good for the game of baseball is that you have like the American League East, you got the National League West, you got both coasts with a lot of great baseball going on at one time. Well, I mean, I would say that, right? Like if you look at the the big <laughs> markets, yes, the Mets and Yankees are good, right? The Dodgers and the Angels are good. The the Giants are pretty good. I don't know that the people in the middle of the country would think that way because the Centrals are both pretty rough. But yes, if you like coastal baseball, then it's been fantastic. Well, let's start out here, and we're seeing it right now, is what we've always thought was a possibility is now a reality. If guys are healthy for the Angels, if they get pitching, boy, that could be dangerous. And right now, they're going to be coming here over the weekend for a series, and you look at Trout's being Trout again. It's like every night he's got two home runs, and Otani, whether he's striking out 11 guys or hitting two bombs, 
it's all coming together for them. Are you buying it? How dangerous really are the Halos? I'm mostly buying it for now. And I think part of that is because Otani has only looked kind of okay at the plate, right? Like he's been fantastic as a pitcher, but you have not seen the same hitter as you saw last year. So if you get that version of him to come back at any point, then yeah, they're going to be good. Like it comes down to the same, I think two things it always comes down to, right? Is will Trout stay healthy, which he hasn't the last couple of years and he has so far this year. And will anybody pitch? And that's the part that's been interesting so far. I know Reed Detmers threw a no-hitter, and that was super impressive. And not to take credit away from him, that doesn't make him like an ace in my mind necessarily, right? Like it's a young guy who's shown that he's talented, uh, and that's really good. I mean, I've liked Patrick Sandoval there for a while. I think he's really talented and good. I think Rysel Iglesias is one of the most underrated relievers in baseball. He's really good. So I'm impressed with what they've done. And what you, I think what you need every year for any of these teams is someone unexpected to show up, right? And so far, that guy's been Taylor Ward, who's been fantastic. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when you're when you're overshadowing Trout at a certain point, that uh, that tells you a lot. And, and and when you look out west here, I mean, obviously the NL West. Oh, you know what? I want to get one more thing on the Angels because I remember I also do stuff for our NBC affiliate here, NBC California, which our games run on, and I was trying to be not the old school get off my lawn guy. If you remember back Padres and giants at their early part of the season, giants got out to an early lead. A guy stole a base early. Then a guy bunted in the sixth inning. Next, you know, Bob Melvin, our old friend and Matt Williams, they're all flipping out the Padres dugout and the whole unwritten rules. You remember that game? I do. Of course. Right. So I brought it up going, are you kidding me? Play the game. Stop it. If you don't like it, a bunch of people got mad at me. Even Dave Stewart goes, I didn't see Willie Mays do that. Let me take you back to last night then. Are we now, if we're going to be get off my lawn, unwritten rules, stop playing the game when the score gets to be a certain, and it's Bush League if you're bunning or stealing bases. What about a pitcher on the mound, Maverick, our buddy Brett Phillips, and then, okay, hitter's got to still hit, but then you got uh, Rendon going up there, hitting left-handed and knocking it out. I'm like, wait a minute. You're going to get after me for saying it's okay to keep playing the game, but the integrity of the game is when you got a you got an outfielder on the mound and a guy hitting left-handed for the first time. He hits it out. Oh, it's great. Wait a minute. Willie Mays never did that. Willie Mays never hit left-handed against a position player. So where are we on the integrity with a pitcher throwing and a guy getting up there hitting left-handed for the first time? I don't know, man. Now you just got me thinking about if Willie Mays could hit home runs left-handed because I bet he probably could. Hank Aaron you know, is Yeah, totally. I mean, you you tell me if I missed something, right? But I didn't see any complaints coming out of either dugouts about that last night. You know, everyone seemed cool with it. Nobody seemed to have a problem. Like, obviously, you've got a position player on the mound. Let Rendon hit the other way. I, I, no one was throwing at anybody. No one was complaining about it. I think if you go back a couple of weeks, there was the issue with the Giants and the Nationals, right, where they were complaining about that. And I think the score at the time was the Giants were up by, like, I don't know, six or whatever, and the Nationals were complaining, even though the Giants had put up all of their runs in one single inning, like an hour beforehand, as though, like, that's a big enough lead. I don't think the uh, unwritten rules are as big of a deal anymore. Like, that's just not the way the game is played, and all the better for it. Like, that doesn't serve anybody. I, I that's what I said a long time ago. I got hammered for it. And I'm like, look at last night. You got Phillips tweeting trout on Twitter. I mean, it's fun. It's engaging. It helps bring the younger folks into the game. I thought it was good. Stay staying here out West, obviously the national league West, everybody over 500, everybody's playing good baseball. 
Uh, good luck to our friend Bob Melvin, who's going to be undergoing a surgical procedure. Uh, we're going to be away from the Padres for just a little bit. But there's the Dodgers and everybody else. The everybody else, do you see any of them staying with the Dodgers for the season? I do. I think the Padres are for real. The fact that they have hung around this far without Fernando Tatis is a really good sign because I, I think what's happening there is if you look at them, Manny Machado is playing at an MVP caliber level, which I certainly think he can sustain. Eric Hosmer is playing like wildly over his head, right? Yeah. So w- when he comes back down, which he almost certainly will, that'll be about the time Fernando Tatis is coming back. And I think that's going to work out really well for them. You know, all credit to Hosmer for helping them stay afloat in what looked like kind of a tough spot. You know, like the offense going into the year without Tatis sort of seemed a little underwhelming to me, you know. So Hosmer has done really well. Again, credit to him for that. Haseon Kim has done a pretty good job on both sides of the ball, filling in at shortstop. And what they've really done that I liked a lot was, if you remember the starting rotation at the end of the last year, they had to go find Jake Arrieta and go find Vince Velasquez, and it did not work well. Well, they went out and they made some trades and they are full of starting pitching. Like Mackenzie Gore has finally arrived. I like the starters a lot and they're not the Dodgers, right? But they're the clear second best team in that division. And I say that even though I do believe in the Giants, yeah. they're not 107 win Giants. They've had a lot of injuries, uh, but I, I do believe they're for real. And, you know, I'm not going to say that I think the other two teams can stay above 500 because they won't, although they're off to good starts. But yeah, I like the Padres. Yeah, the D-backs out of nowhere, and our buddy Tori Lavello, former A, is doing a great job down there. And, you know, we, you know we don't like the Giants, but you do got to give them their due, especially after the season they had last year. You know they're going to be there. Switching to the other coast, and something that uh, has been a lot of fun for us, uh, us baseball dorks, is we, we're able to tune into these games starting at 4 o'clock, you know, well before our games start. And you just, like, you're watching right now, you had the walk-off bomb last night. For the Yankees and the spirited series between the Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. I know it's just a quick two-game set, but the battles they've had already this year. Uh, you, you know, we, we've dealt with the Rays now twice already. We know how good they are. Just talk about the American League East, how competitive. And the one major disappointment would be the Red Sox. Yeah, how do you like the Orioles not being in last place in that division? I don't know who that says more. You can't hit home runs at Camden Yards now. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself just a little pat on the back here because yeah. I never bought into the Red Sox in the first place. I I did not have them as a playoff team, uh, but that was mostly because I didn't trust their pitching in any way, and that's that's come true a little bit. But I'm shocked at how poor the offense has been. You know, Bogarts has been fine, Devers has been fine, Story's been a mess, Verdugo's been a mess. I'm I'm surprised at how quickly that's gone downhill. And you, you know, you can't totally play yourself out of a playoff spot in a, uh, a league with six playoff spots this early, but it's pretty close, right? So I'm down on the uh, the Red Sox coming back. When you look at the East, though, like the Yankees are for real. And I think what happened was uh, the vibes were bad is the best way to put it, right? Yankee fans were so annoyed. They didn't get Correa. They didn't get Seager. They didn't get Freddie Freeman. They didn't get the big guys they wanted. They got Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rizzo and Isaiah Connor Faleva, who are, are good players, but, you know, they're not top-tier superstars anymore, and it's it's worked out. I think not enough people look at the bullpen on that team. Everybody knows we're all this Chapman, right? Not enough people know Michael King, who is unbelievable, or Clay Holmes, who is unbelievable, or Nestor Cortez, who's a starter, who has just turned himself from, you know, this funky kind of like Sid Fernandez-esque lefty to someone who's, like, actually really good. He's going to make an all-star team. I think so what they've done with their pitching staff has been super impressive. So let's head over to our friends in the central. And would you say 
maybe the biggest disappointment this year so far is our good friend Tony Larusa and the Chicago White Sox. I, there's part of me that's wondering uh, who's managing that team come the All Star break, <laughs> to be honest, because wow. things things have gone really poorly, and it's not all his fault. You know, they they've had injuries, right? Like Jimenez is hurt, as has happened before, and uh, Andrew Vaughn is hurt, and Lance Lynn is out, and it's like that's totally fine. But uh, I'm struggling to think of a off season decision that looks worse right now than them declining to offer Carlos Rodon a qualifying offer and letting him walk away for nothing because Rodon looks like the dude you know he looks unbelievable for the Giants and then when you look at what's plagued the White Sox yeah again injuries sure uh, but their defense has been just wretched right like the eye test any metric you can think of they're just they're not playing good defense and you know if you know me at all I'm not the type to go to a fundamental baseball but that that is what they're failing at <laughs> right now you know they'll be better Lance Lynn will come back Giolito's great they'll get healthier I, I have confidence that the guys will hit but I, I don't know how they're going to improve that defense because I can tell you what made me laugh, right? Gavin Sheets was playing right field the other day. He made this just brutal error in the first inning. And basically the response is, well, he's only playing there because uh, you know he's a first baseman because Jimenez is injured and Andrew Vaughn is injured. And it's like, yeah, but that's basically a DH and basically a first baseman. So if those are the reasons he's in your outfield, that's a bigger problem. All right, let's end on this. The analytics crowd. And you're one of them, and we love you for it because your articles are fantastic, and we love your work on MLB Network. But what are we going to do when guys don't hit? And this game, and this game turns into strikeouts and walks, and everybody's. I mean, if you've looked at our lineup, two thirty, we would take two thirty with a lot of guys in our lineup. What are we making in the analytics crowd? Batting average doesn't matter. Well, obviously it doesn't because nobody's hitting. When what are we now at two thirty one or two thirty as a league? Yeah, I mean, it's not just that, right? Like, I think in April, we had the lowest league slugging percentage for a month since, like, 1992 or whatever. You know, and everybody is following the story. The, the balls are not flying as well. Whether that's the ball itself, whether that's a change in the humidor, like, it's it's probably a combination of multiple things. But I don't, I don't know that it's realistic to expect guys to just start hitting like it's 1985 overnight. You know, that's not what they've been trained for. And the fact of the matter is, ball or not, pitching is a lot better than it used to be. You know, it's it's hard to hit. It's hard to make contact. It's hard to put the ball where you want it to. So I think it's really unfair to say, well, uh, we're not going to put any limits on the pitchers. But now you batters, we expect you to hit, you know, like you used to hit without any training for that. I think that's unfair. So I think you're going to see a lot of this this season. But the one thing that stands out to me is every time there's a ball that goes out and you think it should be a home run and it dies at the warning track, right? It sort of depends on what your comparison point is, because if you look at the baseball from, let's say, 2017 to 2020, which was, you know, mostly a powerball, and that's what you think your normal is, then, yeah, everything is going to be disappointed. But is this what baseball was like for, you know, decades before that? It's just kind of an interesting thing, because I remember everybody was annoyed with how many home runs we had in 2019. It's sort of hard to please anybody. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Yesterday, we've been playing because we we lost Ray Fossey, obviously, and he did all these interviews all these years. We played one yesterday because we're in Detroit. This is way back Ray Fossey and Hall of Famer Sparky Anderson. And Sparky Anderson, way back in the 80s, complaining about a juiced baseball. And a lot of things he was complaining about, we've heard those complaints. So it's like, it doesn't matter what decade. It doesn't matter what era. People have been playing. People have been complaining about the equipment, especially the ball. It seems like forever. 
Yeah, I didn't hear that interview, but I'm guessing it was about 1987, right? The year that Wade Boggs hit 28 home runs out of nowhere. And I think if anything, if I learned anything the last couple of years, it's that the we have the equipment and the technology now to measure these things. And that doesn't mean that this is the first time this kind of stuff has happened. We just didn't know it before. Like you go back to weird home run seasons like 87, 1930, uh, probably like Brady Anderson hitting 50 whatever home runs that one year and people are like oh well he was using a little helper and it's like okay but did he just stop that the next year you know I, I bet a lot of this was about the ball over time in ways we just never knew about hey great stuff as always we truly appreciate it we want to have you on with the new set so you got to see the new digs it's fantastic I wish I'd done I would have turned my little purple light here green because I can make it any color I want but next time oh that is nice I like that you can do whatever you want with that yeah, I'm going to do it live on your air here, which is super good television. But let's see. There we go. Green. <laughs> I love that. We need to get one of those. Hey, great stuff. We love reading you. We love watching you on MLB Network. You be well, and we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. I'm jealous. A little jelly. Where would we put that light? Uh, we could put it above the, the Charlie O mule sign right here that I'm pointing to. Uh, maybe about that, and they'll have the green light reflecting on that. And it looks like uh, we're going to get some merch potentially from the Pitching Ninja. So that'll be great. Uh, I just heard from him. He asked for our address. So uh, and he told me he'll, he promised he'll have his camera fixed for next time. Um, so no problems there. I'm just glad we had him. So On this date, I just got my baseball notes. We got time, right? Maybe a few minutes. On this date 50 years ago, what happened? 50 years ago, that would have been 1972. Um, about the DH, because season started already. No one won a World Series. Uh, I don't know what happened. The Giants dealt Willie Mays to the Mets, your Mets, for right-hander Charlie Williams. You remember Charlie, right? Yeah, big fan. And 50 grand. <laughs> Let's look up. Let's let's see what kind of career Charlie Williams had. He was traded. How was the trade received in San Francisco? Well, San Francisco Mayor Joseph Alioto rift rift off Casey at bat. There's no joy in Frisco tonight. The mighty Stoneham has struck out as a as in Giants owner Horace Stoneham. Wow, the mayor, Alioto, the mayor used the term Frisco for San Francisco. Yeah, I've been told. Because you, you do it now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been told you can't say that. Uh, Charlie Williams pitched in 237 games, 24 starts with the San Francisco Giants over seven years, had a – 382 ERA, so respectable. Um, Back then, though? Uh, two, 204 strikeouts, 234 walks, and 483 innings. He never won more than five, uh, six games with the Giants. So there you go. There's how that deal worked out. I mean, Willie Mays is in his, what, late 30s, early 40s when he, he was dealt. Charlie Williams in his debut with the Giants was 24, and that's what you got for him. You got 18 wins, 11 losses, and 237 games, 24 starts. Meanwhile, the Mets rolled out the red carpet for Mays, whisking him to Shea Stadium in a black Cadillac limousine. 
The 41-year-old Mays would hit 14 home runs and 135 games with the Mets over the final two seasons of his career, 1972 and 1973. Uh, well, they went to the World Series in 1973 and played the A's. Remember that? Yogi Berra was the skipper. We got to see all that during the COVID. Notable hitting streaks right now, J.D. Martinez, 12. On base streaks, J.D. Martinez, 28. Oh, we didn't bring up Josh Hader. We oh, got yeah. the, we got we have a debate here on Ace Cast Live. Uh, we have a few minutes to talk about it. You ready? Yes. I mean, I know what it is. We talked about it last night, but let me just pull up his. You know, I'm a big Josh Hader guy, so. Uh, yeah, that's why I think this plays out really well. Josh right. Hader, go ahead. Josh Hader, we talking about so his career now. He got his 500 strikeout. Uh, and he picked up the save last night. He now is 108. He was the fastest pitcher to 500 strikeouts, right? Fastest reliever? No, fastest pitcher in Major League Baseball history to 500 strikeouts in innings pitched. Oh, in innings pitched. Yeah, he's only had 293 and two-thirds. Yeah. Really? That seems – that are you trying to for relievers? I sent it to you. Oh, uh, you're not prepared. You either are prepared or you're not. I sent it to you last night. Fewest inning in fewer innings than any pitcher in MLB history. Fewer innings. Yeah, I said. But you're telling me, no, I guess because starters back in the day want 300 innings. Uh, that's impressive. It is. But is it that impressive, though? Yes. The way guys are striking out all, all the time, though? Doesn't matter. I mean, the amount of punch outs that this guy's getting, you think of, I mean, the only thing you could say is, like, you look at guys like Randy Johnson and Nolan Ryan didn't get out to the greatest of starts of their careers, right? Nolan Ryan with no. the Mets, uh, Randy Johnson with the Montreal Expos. But you could think Walter Johnson. I mean, you think of the titans of strikeouts, Justin Verlander, Roger Clemens. I mean, Roger Clemens came out of the University of Texas and was striking everybody out. You know, Pedro Martinez is always was a big try. So it's like to be faster than any of those guys – So I mean, I mean, I'm just looking at. I mean, just looking at his like. Look at his. I'm looking at his leverage. He's pitched in. Let's see. He's been in 188 games of high leverage situations. I don't know. Well, he has 256 career strikeouts in high leverage situations. <laughs> that's that's pretty remarkable. This is a guy that doesn't pitch just one inning. Well, he does. Maybe he does now. But before, he won multiple innings for the Brewers. He got he got six out saves, nine out saves. He's like a throwback almost to Raleigh Fingers where you got multiple inning saves. The guys, I mean, I know the strikeouts, I said that it's because guys are striking out a lot. It, it truly is remarkable. A guy that was a former starter who's now a reliever. And I know I always say there's guys in baseball I'd like to see be like him, uh, A.J. Puck. Um, well, baby steps right now. But what Hayter's doing for that Brewers bullpen and what he's done throughout his career, a former Astro once traded for Mike Fires. Fires went to Houston. Hader went to Milwaukee, and that's how that story went. Uh, I, I think 500. It, I, I could. I know I said it's not impressive. It is, but I just feel that way because so many. Guys I think it's out. very impressive. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, Mariano Rivera is supposed to be the greatest reliever of all time. He didn't do it. No, he didn't do it. Uh, Trevor Hoffman didn't do it. Uh, Bruce Suter. Uh, Trevor Hoffman was a bit huge strikeout guy. Yeah, that changeup was uh, one of the best, and he's on. I mean. Kudos to Hater. Uh, yeah, I, stop I, hating on Hater. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm being a 
Wait for it. Hater. <laughs> Just to put, you want me to leave you on a good note? The A's, what, what does he do? He gets on base. Do I care how he gets on base? You do not. The, a, the A's have the lowest on base in the league at 263. I think we I think the A's have the lowest batting average in the American League too. That's 19 points lower than the Chicago White Sox, who have the second worst OBP in baseball. So are we the lowest when they say in the league? Is that all of baseball or the American League? I think that's just the the league in the, is the American League. I can look up. But the, they say the White Sox have the second worst. They might. Let me look. I'll I'll, I'll pull it up. 263 on base is the third lowest by any team. This doesn't make sense because the White Sox are in the same league as us. Yeah, here, hold on. It was uh, on base percentage you were talking about? Yes. I'm looking right now. Um, beauty of, the A's are first, and then it's the White Sox, the Royals, the oh, Reds. So we are the first. When it says the league, it yeah. means the league. Yeah. Uh, the next, the closest uh, National League team, Tori Lovello and the surprising Diamondbacks at 290 at sixth. Um. The A's 263 on base is the third lowest by any team through the first 31 games in the live ball era. That's not good. Do you know what the batting average is? The batting average for the team right now is at the Mendoza line. What, 200? Yeah, only one team has a lower batting average. We're hitting 200? One team has a lower batting average. That'd be Arizona at 199. The next closest is Houston. I hate to check this. I got to do this before we get out of here because I've been I've been doing this. Let's see if they've updated in our game notes. I have the update, but I I want to be lazy and just have them do it for me because that technically is their job. Yes, yeah, the last twenty two games, last twenty two games, Christian Pache is hitting a buck twenty three. Yeah, I pulled the audio for. We'll see how he does today and tomorrow. Maybe we play it on Friday on our show. Jim Leland's audio. Talking about sending good players, players down that were good players and, and grew from it. So, but that's all we got for today. Do we have the uh, are the lineups out? Um, I'd have to pull up the. Who is playing short? Elvis is playing short. Who's playing left? Pender's in there, so that's good news. Yeah, after Both that guys collision, yeah, are in there. All righty, we want to thank Bill Moriarty. We want to thank Rob Friedman, and we want to thank Mike Petriello for all stopping by. A's Cast Live. Thank you, everybody who listened, everybody who watched, everybody who did both. We'll be back tomorrow at what time? Not tomorrow, Friday. Day game tomorrow. We got a day game tomorrow? Yeah, 10-10. Oh, God, it never ends. Yeah, we'll be back on Friday at 4 with Marcotte. So we went doubleheader to a regular game, to a doubleheader, to a regular game, back to a doubleheader Saturday, which is a day-night doubleheader. Yeah. A lot of time in between that day. Oh, my God. But I love it because it's baseball season. It's the best. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you just a little bit right here for A's Total Access. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.